0: Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to The Conspiracy Castle. I'm your conspiracy asshole, primetime, nananan, and nanana, Alex Stein on the ground all the time. Let's go! That's right, guys. We have a very special guest, James Perloff. He's a man. He is a great author, and he knows all about the New World Order and how the social engineers are trying to create a universe of pain and misery, literally, out of a George Orwell novel. So I just want to say, guys... With all that, James, welcome to the Conspiracy Castle. How are you doing, my friend?
1: I'm doing good, uh, for the first time I've been on the show. Uh, being on a uh, podcast is not new for me, but this is the first time I've been on yours.
0: Yeah, well, I'm different, you know, James. I'm primetime 99 Alex Stein. I'm like you, but I really do want to expose the New World Order because I'm the biggest victim of it, you know what I mean? It's like, I grew up on the Happy Meals. I grew up on the glyphosate. I grew up on the... Uh, predictive programming of back to the future and so now i see a a generation of like when i would read the school books and i'd be like how did those people in world world two fall for propaganda and now everybody is the victim of propaganda it really makes me lose hope for society so what i want to do is in a tongue-in-cheek way try to expose the same evil bastards that you are so with all that um welcome to the conspiracy castle thank you for uh being my guest uh, this thursday uh
1: afternoon james oh thank you for having me on
0: well james i wanted to bring you on because you know you're an author of many books and then you know uh let's see i guess james what let me let me let me read them all out so you have them in order the 13 pieces of the jigsaw truth is a lonely warrior and uh the Shadows of Power is it right? Are those the three correct books, James? That did I? Yeah. Did I- uh,
1: yeah. Also, well, there's Tornado in a Junkyard, and uh, uh, the Case Against Darwin, and one that I probably shouldn't say out loud, but uh, this is my latest book. Uh,
0: C nineteen. Uh, I like that. So so. We'll talk about that. What we'll do is we'll do the first half of this interview on YouTube, and then, guys, we'll have a link to the Rockfin. There we can talk. We can. It's actually a free speech platform where we can speak freely. We can say everything. So for the first, like, 30 minutes of the interview, we'll just talk. Uh, and we'll kind of dance around. We'll just talk about YouTube-friendly stuff for the first half of the interview, and then we'll take the uh, back half of the interview on uh, Rockfin. For the people watching on YouTube right now, um, because I want to get into your new book. So uh, before we get there, though, James, you know as a person that's been, you know, able to see this for a while, like the new world order, uh, you look at uh, what's going on now, and I guess you call it a false flag attack. When did you realize 9 11 was a false flag attack, James?
1: Well, it took me uh, at least a year, you know, uh, when 9 11 happened. Uh, I was in the middle of a difficult situations, my mother had Alzheimer's, uh, my family was um, under attack by a psychopath, and um. There's uh, there's a lot of things going on in my life. And when I had some really bad news the night before 9-11, and so when I the news came on about it, I was kind of in a daze, and I didn't really think through um, the idea of a false flag, even though I'd written on false flags um, uh, being arranged uh, in my own writings. Uh, it was prior, really wait,
0: James, prior to 9-11, you had written about false flag attacks.
1: Well, I wrote, started writing for The New American in 1985, and I'd written on Pearl Harbor, um, you know, uh, I, in my books, I cover the Lusitania, the Sinking of the Maine, Tonkin Gulf, et cetera.
0: And people always um, get mad. I cut people off. Everybody gets mad, but Pearl Harbor, did we trick Japanese to attack us? Because we had prior knowledge to the attack. I just, on the Pearl Harbor, I, I just had to cut you off there since you wrote about it. Is that, is that true that we had prior knowledge that they were going oh, to attack I, us? And that, and that we brought them in to, because well, why did we even bring, this is my question. Why is it we get attacked by Japan and Hawaii, and then we got to go save and, and beat the Nazis and help the Jews? It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, the story doesn't make a lot of sense to me, James.
1: Well, uh, uh, not only did we have uh, prior knowledge of the attack through decoded naval and uh, uh, diplomatic intercepts, uh, which the Japanese did not know we'd cracked their codes, but uh, uh, President Roosevelt put the fleet in Pearl Harbor against all naval advice and the fleet commander J. O. Richardson flew to Washington to protest, putting the fleet there made no sense, was vulnerable to surprise attack, which would not be on the usual berthing it had on the west coast, but there are many other reasons it gave Roosevelt. Roosevelt responded by firing Richardson as fleet commander. Uh, the w- reason the Japanese attacked us is we had put strangling them with a trade embargo, which is joined by the Dutch and the British. They were dependent on uh, imports for most of their oil and food and other uh, many natural resources. And we told them they had to pull their troops out of China. What a lot of people don't know is the main reason that people were uh, in China, their troops, was because Stalin had absorbed Outer Mongolia and the Chinese province, province of Xinjiang. The Japanese knew that uh, uh, communism would engulf China as it had the Soviet Union, which it did engulf China after the war. Um, they could not pull their troops back as we demanded. And so we well, basically give them the choice you can have death by communism or death by um starvation and the Japanese said if you give us death versus death if it's a two-headed coin we're gonna have to fight and since uh, Roosevelt gave him a very convenient target if he wanted the first blow to come to the other side um they uh, did strike at Pearl Harbor believing that that would give them time to strengthen themselves form alliances in in uh, Asia and uh defend against uh, the encroachments that uh, Roosevelt was presenting.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because America is supposed to be the person that champions against uh, communism. Yet, yeah, doesn't the New World Order? Isn't the plan for communalism? For uh, you will own nothing. You'll yeah. be happy. The Klaus Schwab. So, yeah. what is it? Yeah. Why? Why? What's the idea that America is fighting communism? Yet, a shadow government within America wants communism. Explain that. The you know it's kind of juxtaposition. Uh,
1: well well, uh, uh, we never fought communism the way we did fascism. You know, uh, with World War Two. It was uh, the conditions given to Germany and Japan were uh, unconditional surrender and no holes were barred. If you look at Vietnam, uh, look at the rules of engagement. You couldn't engage an enemy fighter aircraft on the ground. You couldn't hit it on the ground. It had to be up in the air and showing hostile intent. Um, Robert McNamara only allowed the Air Force to hit 6% of the targets it wanted to hit in Vietnam. Korea was similar. Uh, there was tremendous restraints put on the military. Um, so uh, this was being used to forge alliances, the war against the Cold War was being used to forge alliances with Europe, because they wanted to get Atlantic Union going, they wanted NATO to be formed, uh, they wanted CETO to be formed, which are stepping stones towards a new world order, but they were never really serious about defeating communism, and that's one reason why the Vietnam War was rigged out for, uh, for well, for 11 years, if you go from the Tonkin Gulf to, to the end of the war in 75.
0: Yeah. So, you know, the Gulf of Tonkin was a false flag attack that brought us into uh, the Vietnam War. So explain that, uh, you know, that being the original uh, <coughs> false flag attack in a way. Other than well, Hitler, uh, that, I guess, that, would that be the original? Uh, okay. So after, uh, basically, I believe that the, the Nazis kind of didn't lose World War II. They basically just came to America. And, you know, you look at Wernher von Braun, you look at a lot of the guys that did some bad stuff. They kind of got away. I believe Germany lost. I think almost, you know, we got taken over by a lot of the people that were in charge there but so uh where does that come into play like who do you think is the driving force of the new world order and using america as like a shadow government for that or the you know do you blame israel who do you blame james
1: um well you mentioned Tonkin question about tonkin gulf and a question about uh, yeah i I kind of went i yeah i
0: Um, i i I kind of went off on a lot a long tangent there i apologize uh
1: but uh the, you know, I, th- I think the uh, the leadership of the uh, New World has been consistent. I do think there are very strong Zionist elements. Uh, you know, the the human face that is most prominent over the last couple of centuries has been the Rothschild family, uh, but they've always had their Gentile um, underlings in the in the the Rockefellers and, and the Morgans and you know the secrets the the Freemasons and the Skull and Bones and the the Gentile secret societies that they required they needed uh, to over you know. That they've they've used Freemasons and Communists to overthrow governments, uh, so that they could set up either communist states or so-called democracies, which they would control. You know that people would have the illusion they were electing the leaders, when in fact the the leaders were already chosen for them through the the control of the mass media, which wealth buys. So uh, I think the leadership has been pretty consistent. Is I'll say this much: it's certainly Luciferian. All you have to do is look at Bohemian Grove, or you look at the uh, the. If you've seen the video interviews by Ronald Bernard, the Dutch uh, banker who left the European banking system, is a very high-ranking currency manipulator. He's told, he told his interviewers he's taken the Church of Satan in Europe and asked to help sacrifice children. So this, this is a Luciferian system. This is a good versus evil proposition. But a lot of people think it's just, just rich guys because they do use money to get their way. I mean, that's how they buy people. That's how they buy politicians and news reporters. Um, but money is not at the root of it. At the root, it's a, it's a very evil system, and you see that now with their depopulation program being yeah. inflicted on the world through. Yeah, yeah, understand yeah.
0: Yeah, and we can get on that and rock. Fans. So, so let's go back to the SRA, the Satanic Ritualistic Abuse. What is that all about? I mean, why do these people need to do that? When they say Hillary Clinton likes it, I mean, do they believe? In your opinion, do you think it's because it's an anti-aging thing, or is it just because they're so extreme that they can't they can't enjoy themselves without? It? I mean, why? Why? What drives a person? to basically want to uh, do that to a child. I mean, it's really sick what drives some of these sickos.
1: It's about as, as evil as you could possibly get. Yeah, I have not uh, made any um, in-depth study of Satanism, I, I can, but I can say that that's certainly part of uh, their their program. Uh, the, I've, I've heard that they believe they draw power from the death when they kill someone, that they draw power from the death of that person's uh, body or soul. And that apparently is part of it. And yeah, I've heard about the adenochrome and that they think that this gives them a, a longer life. And of course, uh, they, they want a long life because, or, or if not, uh, to become a humanly immortal because they think that they'll escape the judgment of God if they never have to die. And so you're seeing people like John D. Rockefeller and David Rockefeller living to be 100. And Henry Kissinger and Queen Elizabeth seem like they never. Yeah, how is ever. it? And Prince yeah. Philip, Prince yeah. Philip, I mean, how he yeah.
0: lived to 99 or 100? I mean, the guy didn't, I mean, how? He. It looks like he, they were operating him with, uh, you know, like uh, Uncle Weekend we of Bernies. It felt like the last few years of his life. But they, they, they keep these people alive. So there mm. is some, They do have access to some sort of fountain of youth, youth James. I mean, they, it seems like the Queen, like you said, is going to live forever. Um, but it's really weird. I just don't understand the motivations of these people because it's not money, and you know they have power. It gets like this really dark place. And I guess it's like the darkest thing you can imagine is like what these sickos actually do. And I know that's kind of vague, but it's really only so much you can say about it. Okay, so when we go, let's go back to the false flag attack. Sorry, the Gulf of Tonkin was like one of the original ones that got us into the Vietnam War. And then, you know, you look into uh, 9-11 was a false flag attack that got us into a never-ending war in Afghanistan. So now looking back... Um, this is 20 years later, and we're just now supposedly leaving Afghanistan, whatever that means. What do you, I mean, it obviously was a failed mission. How, how would you, uh, you know, when Bush did the mission accomplished, how would you rate the, the mission of our war of terror in Iraq and Afghanistan?
1: Um, yeah, well, the, the idea behind 9-11, of course, was to uh, instigate these wars and, uh, you know, uh, PNAC, uh, the Project for New American Century, in its paper rebuild in america's defenses, it called for a new pearl harbor uh they said a new Pearl Harbor would be uh, uh required now i was writing a book on um 9-11 before the big c hit last hmm. march in america and uh i actually have uh, over 900 pages of notes and uh i'd written rough deaths of 16 chapters and so i really wanted to get to the bottom of 9-11 we have so many controversial theories about the planes and the buildings And I wanted to really um, for myself um, and hopefully for readers um, narrow down uh, exactly what happened uh, on the day of 9-11 because of uh, all that um, that uh, controversy but um, there's no question about the fact that the purpose of the wars was the outcome that we got you know the war in Afghanistan the war in Iraq and then it became Libya and bombing Syria and providing Saudis weapons to bomb Yemen and a complete um, involvement in the Middle East um, uh, they cost trillions of dollars that could have been spent at home, right? Building, rebuilding our infrastructure, and you know, building, you know, improving our healthcare system, et cetera. Affordable loans,
0: for, and, forgivable yeah. loans, all. I yeah. mean, think about all they could have uh, college. I mean, they could have really actually used that money and helped the infrastructure right. of the United
1: States, and it yeah. all went and, to waste. Uh, our freedoms are not being threatened by Syrians or Libyans or Iraqis or anything like that. It and never,
0: that it, it never was. I, mean, I hate to cut you. I understand our freedom was never, ever, ever once threatened was have you and I ever been threatened by a terrorist on an American airlines flight ever, James ever.
1: Uh, no. Um, and, uh, of course we, 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 most of our, our freedoms were lost through actions of the government as is continuing to this day. It's really the government that encroaches on our freedoms, not, you know, people in caves over in, in the Middle East. Um, but I, I did want to uh, look into each aspect of 9-11. And it's actually the first show I've done it in, in over a year. Um, so uh, my memory is probably, uh, I know it would be foggy in certain details, but I, I welcome the uh, you know, opportunity to uh, to discuss it.
0: Well, nine eleven. There's, it's like, uh, like uh, they say, an animal that has more folds in its brain has is, is smarter. There's a lot of folds in nine eleven. Like you go down one way, and so it, 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 you can get a little hairy. So I believe that I'm, you know, very knowledgeable about it. You mentioned the project for a new American century, and you look at one of the guys that signed that. One of the guys that was a bipartisan. Uh, uh, you know game plan and joe biden was all about it he was one of the ringleaders on the uh, democratic side of that so so that was basically a plan to start the never-ending war in the seven biggest middle eastern threats to israel in uh in afghanistan iraq Iran uh, libya syria and which one am i leaving out i forget um but basically that was the plan they they did the attack and uh now we're pulling out and it just to me seems like such a way so let's go back to theories i'm of the belief that i don't when i look at shanksville pennsylvania flight 93 there's no plane crash there so i i I, and i look at the pentagon there's no way a plane could have flown that low so i right then and there those two places i don't believe those two places were hit with the planes uh now the twin towers that's different uh i'm also of the you know belief that they had to have pre-planned explosives for those buildings to go down so what is your uh theory james on what brought down the towers and what happened in 93 and what happened uh, in the pentagon
1: well uh i i do have um, some theories about that you know i i uh i i mentioned to uh mark steves that i wanted to try and avoid the theories you know there's there's uh aside from the government uh explanation of what happened to the twin towers it's three basic theories about it one is uh, directed energy one is nuclear weapons and one is nanothermite and when it comes to the planes there's uh, several theories besides the governments one is uh, remote controlling the planes one is uh, drones being swapped out for the planes one is there were no planes but uh, holograms came in shrouding perhaps missiles and then there's the idea that CGI was added after the effect to make the, it look like planes had hit and there are large followings of all of these theories about the buildings of the planes so I kind of want like to avoid that today because it tends to That's trigger fair. people when trigger people when they do. But I wanted to talk about four areas of evidence that definitely prove that the government's story is incorrect, because of the things that I think that everybody in the 9-11 movement can, can agree upon. Uh, trying to get into those theories, uh, you know, it takes takes time to substantiate a, a, a view on that. So um if you don't mind, I wanted to talk about four areas that show that the government's st- st- uh story was was, was cloakum. Please. Um and and so I want to talk two things about the buildings and two things about the planes. One is, um, if you look at the, uh, the Twin Towers, um, uh, which uh, allegedly collapsed. Now, uh, according to the New York Times, the weight of the Twin Towers combined was over a million tons. That's a lot of weight. And physicists have estimated that there should have been 12 stories of rubble left over when the Twin Towers collapsed. But we didn't see that when the smoke cleared, all you saw was some steel sticking up out of the ground and some rubble, but you certainly didn't see 12 stories. Now, there were uh, 90,000 tons of concrete in the Twin Towers. That all turned to dust. There were six acres of marble. That turned to dust. In each tower, there were 47 upright, huge steel columns in the middle of each tower. They vanished. Um, no furniture for the Twin Towers was ever found. No toilets were ever found. No phones were ever found. No computers were ever found. There were ten thousand metal filing cabinets in the twin towers only one was found that was from the basement and it was crumpled up like a uh, piece of aluminum foil and they, no bodies James, were is
0: that true no toilets nothing like that i mean I've, right. uh, i mean that's true wow Not, wow nothing,
1: all of it was turned had, to dust
0: you had some passports they found two passports though They're yeah they buying. found passports
1: you know paper seems survive. no phones survive, but some paper Passport. dialing pads for the phones uh survived uh also i should mention no bodies were found now they did find bits of tissue Uh, Or bone, which were uh, some of were sampled for DNA and were were linked to people who had been in the Twin Towers. But if you compare that to Florida with this recent uh, condo collapse, right? They've been digging bodies out of the rubble, but nobody found any bodies in in the Twin Towers. Uh, The only whole bodies they found were people who had jumped before the collapse or so-called collapse. The one thing I want to mention about this, which is that if you watch the Twin Towers uh, as they explode. there are pieces of, uh, you know, on the, the outside of the Twin Towers, they had these metal panels were put in almost like Legos. And um, you can see them flying laterally. And they weighed several tons each. And yet they were able to fly. They've been clocked at up to 70 miles an hour. Now, if it was a simple collapse, those, those, those metal panels would have simply come straight down. How do you get them flowing uh, laterally at 70 miles an hour? Well, there's got to be explosive force. So the Twin Towers definitely exploded. Uh, they did not collapse and uh regardless of which theory you ascribe to whether it's nanothermite or directed energy or nuclear the towers definitely exploded uh and the government never went into this they never went into these anomalies and no building which collapsed ever had a situation where there were no bodies or no uh, uh fixtures or other elements that they could find uh so that's that's number one of four that i think are are definites and number two is uh one that people often start with, that's Building 7, the Salomon Brothers uh, Building, uh, which uh, housed uh, the the mayor's uh, emergency emergency management uh, uh, offices as well as the uh, New York branch of the CIA and the offices of the SEC. Um, And uh, that afternoon, it it was a 47-story steel frame structure that collapsed in 6.6 seconds. Here's something that's interesting. Physicists have have, uh, looked at that footage of building Seven coming down into its own footprint. And they found that it increases in speed as it goes down. Now, if you know the laws of gravity, if you drop a ball from a a tall place, it increases its speed as it goes down. So what that means is uh, building seven collapsed at the speed of gravity. Um, There was no resistance, and yet there were uh, 81 uh, upright steel columns supporting it. Now, in the early days, back around 2005, I remember the people who defended the official story said, well, the reason it collapsed was because it was hit by debris from the Twin Towers and that damaged the columns. But if you think about it, the only columns that could have been damaged would have been in the front of the building, not in the back of the middle. So if the building collapsed from debris from the Twin Towers, it should have fallen forward because asymmetrical damage does not cause a symmetrical collapse. to, I, nine, th- I nine, think
0: Building Seven is definitely the smoking gun. The way that fell, oh, yeah, and, it's definitely and, a
1: smoking gun for yeah. sure. Yeah, um, it came down, and um, uh, the uh, uh, official uh, government explanation eventually was that office fires made it collapse. But um, there were only office fires on six of the forty-seven floors, and there were fires, that's for sure. But that's not going to make a, a forty-seven-story steel frame uh building have all 81 columns simultaneously give way and as a matter of fact i should mention i know many of you listeners will know this but in 2017 there was a study by engineers at the Univers- university of alaska anchorage which determined that uh, office furnishing fires could not possibly have caused the collapse of building seven um i should mention that the destruction of building seven and the explosion of the twin towers was well beyond the, the capabilities of muhammad atta and his uh uh cohorts of al-qaeda so this definitely required help from very sophisticated services what about
0: muhammad Atta? I, my favorite thing about him is do you know he was dating a stripper and uh right. and, and uh, had a big cocaine problem and supposedly that's the airport that they trained at that was supposedly a drug running airport right uh, yeah so it's just, yeah that's uh, covered
1: by daniel hopsicker in his his book um uh welcome to Terrorland. land and you're right uh Muhammad Atta, and he was a psycho, that uh, pink-haired stripper that he was dating, she dumped him. And so he went to her apartment and cut up her cat and its kittens into small pieces. Multiple cats. Different... Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I'm saying I have a yeah. cat right here, James.
0: I'm saying I'm a cat lover. I have my cat sitting uh, right here on the table. I okay. love cats. It's just yeah, funny. Yeah, I got a cat too. I, yeah. I, I, that, made me, that story makes me so sick. They went to her house and cut up her cats. Muhammad Atta. But that that shows you he was too vain. He was not going to do a suicide bomb. They knew they weren't there training because they were going to be suicide pilots. I think that story is laughable. They were patsies.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, Another thing about Atta, as you mentioned, is uh, he was a cocaine snorter. In fact, according to his girlfriend, he went on a three-day drug orgy down in the Florida Keys. And he was a heavy drinker. He was heavily drinking a couple days before the uh, the 9-11 attacks. Another interesting thing that Hopsicker picks up on is uh, he and El Shehi, who was the alleged pilot of Flight 175, which hit the second Twin Tower, two days before the uh, 9-11, they returned an, a rent, rental car to the rental car agency, and they were arguing about who would pay the bill. They're both insisting that they themselves would pay the bill. Now, why are they arguing about who's going to pay the rental bill that's going to die two days later? And, of course, you also know that Mohammed Adas um, had a, is the only person on Flight 11 whose luggage didn't get on board and was left there for the FBI to find. Very conveniently, it had all the names of the hijackers, the complete plan plus his will which a Muslim has told me that it's not a real Islamic will. He never mentions the Prophet Muhammad and there are other inconsistencies. But why would he take his will on luggage that it's going to be burned up in the Twin Towers? That doesn't really make sense. What good would it do him? So it appears that the his luggage was put there for the FBI to find so they could come out with the official narrative. And I should mention one more thing. If the Twin Towers were exploded, the, the plane hits had to be guaranteed up front. Now, that the second plane, the one that hit, the, the South Tower, Flight 170, United 175, if you know that's what is alleged, according to the FAA, it was going at 586 miles per hour. Now, um, that's an incredible speed. The max operating speed for a 767 at ground level is 425. Now, that doesn't mean it can't go above 425, but the pilots are told not to take it above that speed at that level because the air is thick. Once you're up in, you know, a few thousand feet in the air, uh, then you can go at high speeds. Uh, but it hit at 586. And the day after 9-11, there was a uh, uh, a chief pilot in an airline. His name was Dan Gavados. And, you know, the all flights were grounded uh, for the couple days after 9-11. So he said to his Except for the today, bin
0: Laden family. Except for the bin yeah. Laden family were all fly, flown out the same day. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, some Israelis, too, according yeah. to some reports. Um, but uh, but Dan everybody Gavados, else. Yeah, everybody yeah, else Dan, is grounded. Yeah. Dan Gavados said to his fellow pilots, Hey, let, guys, let's see if we can hit the Twin Towers on uh, simulators. So they went on a simulator. Flight simulator, and he put ten pilots on, and none of them could hit the twin towers. They all missed, and these guys who thousands of hours of experience of flying Boeing's, and then Gavado's finally did it. He hit the twin towers, but even Gavado's couldn't get it up to five eighty six because the the, the uh, simulator would freeze up in the mid four hundreds um, because you're not supposed to fly a plane that fast. So um, the the point being that if, if experienced pilots couldn't do it on a simulator, how does a hijacker who's never flown a Boeing in his life they all made perfect strikes. The, the Pentagon, the Twin Towers, they got the planes completely into the towers. But if you think about it, these plane strikes had to be guaranteed in advance if the Twin Towers were going to be demolished. Because if El Shehi, the pilot of the second plane, the one of the Twin Towers, suppose at 586 miles an hour, he just clipped the tower with his wing and he didn't completely penetrate the building. Then they couldn't demolish the Twin Towers. And If there were explosives in that building, they had to go back in and retrieve them which would be very difficult because it'd be very heightened security after an uh, attack on the Twin Towers. So the twin, you know, are you gonna trust uh, Mohammed Atta, uh, a psychopath who takes snorts cocaine and drinks heavily to, to guarantee that he's gonna make a perfect hit on 9-11? I don't think so. That doesn't really make a lot of sense if you're planning something like this at a very high uh, intel level. So that's, that's kind of reason number three, what's wrong with the official story. There's one more
0: to go. Yeah, but real quick, I just want to say, you know, the idea that those pilots you were talking about, it's the VMR. I think it's the velocity maximum rate of those planes. They can't Mm -hmm. test it going that fast at that low of altitude because supposedly, even though the plane may be able to go that fast, it could necessarily split like a banana because it's not supposed to go at, like you say, 586 Mm -hmm. miles per hour at that low of an altitude. Now, you know, if you're, you know, high up in the air, you're 40,000 feet there, you know, there's less resistance and you can go that fast. No problem. But you can't test it at that speed. So these pilots, that's why the they, you can't control it. The simulator is not going to be able to recreate that sort of uh, you know Great. pressure at that low of altitude at that speed because it, it, you can't even test it in real life. So that story number three is pretty obvious. So I'm, I'm. What's number four, James? I'm excited to hear number four.
1: Number four is the complete lack of response by the Air Force and NORAD. Um, uh, no I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, throw uh, something at you that's. Uh, even a lot of 9-11 people are not aware of. Uh, the man in charge of the Secret Service on 9-11 was named uh, Nelson Garabito, and he gave an interview to the mainstream media, and um, which you can still see on YouTube over a year ago when I was writing my book, and I haven't looked to see if it's still there. But he very distinctly said that we knew we had two planes, hijacked planes coming into Washington. One was 30 minutes out, and one was 45 minutes out. Now, the reference to 30 minutes out is a reference to Flight 77 alleged to hit the Pentagon, the one 45 minutes out would be flight 93. now the 9-11 commission interviewed um his name was van steenbergen um so just a moment um terry van steenbergen he was in charge of uh, washington airspace for the faa when they interviewed him he said that he was in touch with Uh, Nelson Garabito on 9-11. He said that Garabito told them we have two hijacked planes coming into Washington. One is 30 minutes out, one is 45 minutes out. Um, So that's confirmation that Washington knew two planes were headed in. Now the question is, why were no fighters deployed? Zero fighters were deployed uh, to intercept. Now, Andrews Air Force Base is just 10 miles from the Pentagon, and on its mission statement, it said that it was always combat ready. And in fact, the, flight instru- the man in charge of uh, flights at uh, Andrews, um, uh, Major Daniel Kane, uh, called the secret service and said, do you need our help? They said, no, we don't need your help. So Washington knows, and I'm sure you've heard the testimony of Norman Mineta, that the, the uh, transportation secretary who was in the bunker with Dick Cheney that day. <coughs> and here's what he said on the exact quote. Quote, there was a young man who had come in and said to the vice president, the plane is 50 miles out, the plane is 30 miles out. When it got down to the plane is 10 miles out, the young man also said to the vice president, do the orders still stand? And the vice president turned and whipped his neck around and said, Of course the orders still stand. Have you heard anything to the contrary? end and, and, and quote. Now there's oh, there always been controversy: was the order to intercept or, or not to intercept? But there were no planes deployed. So apparently it was not an order to intercept. It was not until after the Pentagon explosion that the orders went to Andrews Air Force Base, now you can begin deploying. And, but at that point it was too late. Um, uh, So you've got a clip there. Um, It was too late and Flight 93 had crashed in Pennsylvania or allegedly crashed there. So those interceptors from Andrews were not able to do anything anyway. But, you know, a standard (coughs) protocol always, if a a plane was out of control, you automatically notify the military. Standard procedure, air traffic controllers have, have confirmed this. And on uh, 9-11, three things happened to all four planes. They veered radically off course. All contact was lost by the air traffic controllers with the cockpit. And they turned off their transponders, except for Flight 175, which turned it off and then turned it back on with their wrong code. Uh, kind of a clever move. Um, well, let's, but, hear, let's uh,
0: hear Norman Mineta. Let's hear what he says. Yeah, said, here's Norman uh, Mineta. Uh, yeah. well, thank Man- you for bringing this up. I didn't to, know you had it. Uh, during the time that... Uh, during the time that the airplane coming in
1: to the Pentagon, uh, there was a young man who would come in and say to the vice president, the, the plane is 50 miles out. The plane is 30
0: miles out. And when it got down to the plane is 10 miles out, uh, the young man also said to the vice president, do the orders still stand? And uh, the vice president turned and, whipped his neck around and said, Of course the orders still stand. Have you heard anything to the contrary? And so that basically, you know, it, it it blows your whole story up. They had the ability to scramble jets and stop these planes. I mean, what else could that be in reference to do the do you know, do the orders still stand? And you can tell by the way Norman Manetta describes it that the military person was confused or felt, you know, right. something was off. Like, why aren't we stopping this? And that Dick Cheney had to be stern and had to kick him in his derriere to shut him up, you know, to kind of wake him up, to show right. this is this is the plan. Go, you
1: They've know. tracked down that young man, by the way, and of course he's been silent about what was happening that day. But again, no fighters deployed until after the Pentagon explosion. I should mention for balance, there were three fighters uh, deployed earlier, from Langley Air Force Base, but they were sent over the Atlantic away from Washington. They were not sent in response to uh, 77 and 93 or the situation that Mineta and, and Cheney and the young man are, are talking about or that Garabito was talking about. They were sent uh, out over the Atlantic because it was a false report that Flight 11 was uh, still airborne and heading south. And uh, I, I the, and the 9-11 commission report page 26 they say they cannot determine where this report came from i have a hard time believing that if you asked enough people in the chain of command where that information came from they should have been able to find out they, but they say they can't determine where it came from but i have a feeling uh this is just a conjecture on my part that 9-11 was to a degree a computer crime and i believe that um if you look at companies like Ptech, which the government went out of its way to protect afterwards and was providing software for the faa and the air force and so many other government agencies that they had the capacity to put false uh, radar reads on the screens and make people think there were planes where there weren't uh that's a conjecture on my part it's a guess but um i think it's a kind of a reasonable educated guess as to why the air force was was faked out and sent those planes over the atlantic away from washington where they should have been defending the capital. You know, well, I don't. I don't.
0: That, well, real quick, James. I don't think that's conjecture at all because they were running drills on the same day, so it makes mm-hmm. sense that if yes. you're running a drill, you would need some sort of technology so that it would appear that the thing's going real. You know. So I mean, to, to say that there's some sort of technology that can make a radar a, a thing appear on a radar, I think that's not far fetched at all. I think that's oh, pretty. Yeah. I think that I think mm-hmm. you'd need that technology in order to run a drill. So we know that they have that technology.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of drills, as you know, taking place that day in Min- our Air Force was kind of depleted that day because they had uh, uh, planes up in Canada, in Alaska and overseas on other drills and in, in, uh, taking place. Actually, uh, Webster Tarpley's got a, uh, a book out on 9-11 um, uh, where he talked about 46 drills that were either taking place that day or near to that day that were distracting the Air Force. So we were at uh, minimal levels, but we did have the capacity definitely to launch uh, aircraft against uh, what they said was coming
0: in, and I believe yeah. they had a they had like a they could have, they had a triangulation of air force bases. I believe something like that. I mean, they're, they're, they you know they had multiple uh, air force bases in multiple states that I think could be there in under like mm-hmm. twenty minutes. So, oh, sure, yeah, um, yeah. So the idea that we couldn't have uh, stopped this beforehand is absolutely absurd. But you know what are you going to do? They they just kind of they you know they like to tinkle on us and tell us it's raining. That's kind of like the government. Uh, <laughs> Uh, mo and we're never going to get the official story but so so uh that what else so, so that's four that so those are the in your opinion you think the four um in a nutshell the four glaring biggest issues on the the official narrative of 9 11
1: well those, those are four that i feel that are very definite and that are almost indisputable um uh, and so for me want to, for yeah, me i like to focus on some, some stuff is speculative and i've, I've written articles on 9-11 that have probably contained too much speculation. I've been criticized for that. Um, But I've I've put a disclaimer at the top of those articles saying that this is speculation. But, you know, you have to kind of tinker around with different theories. Sometimes, uh, you know, Thomas Edison didn't get the light bulb right the first time. He had tried about a thousand times. So, uh, but when I wrote this book, I decided that I really want to focus on the hardest evidence and and, um, stay away from speculation as much as possible and really narrow it down uh, with critical thinking, logic, and, and facts. And I've been I'm working with, um, not only that I get every book I could read on 9-11, everything from you know uh, 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 Joseph P. Farrell to Judy Wood to uh, David Ray Griffin. I also, the last thing I had been reading before this last PSYOP hit was the 9-11 commission report. I didn't wanna criticize the 9-11 commission report if I hadn't read it. I think I better read everything there is on 9-11, including architects and engineers for 9-11 truth and everything that's up there on the web before I write this book. I want to make sure that I have it uh, factually correct. And I was also working with a very talented group uh, on 9-11, included a uh, former air traffic controller, former Boeing pilot, former Boeing engineer, radar expert engineers. It was a real good group and we we're having constant discussion on 9-11, but no, so I don't think we've had any discussion since this last big SIOP hit uh america march of last year i don't we've not been talking about 9 11 but which is a disappointment but uh frankly the, what's going on now is a bigger priority than 9 11. um it's sort of superseded it and what's threatening our liberties at this very moment they're not looking at the terror angle they're looking at another mechanism to take away our freedom at this.
0: Well, moment, well speaking of point. that so even though we have 136 people watching they're going to be so mad but i want to be able to talk about this stuff without getting a strike for medical misinformation so I just want to say to the people watching on YouTube, guys, the link, it's not behind a paywall, but James and I, we got to talk about the adult subject for the next. Uh, we've already been on here for 38 minutes. So the next 30 minutes, we're going to click the link. Uh, uh, It's literally in the description below. And we just want to say everything the CDC says is correct and that we love you, Anthony Fauci, and that Anthony Fauci is the smartest person and that Joe Biden has the the best president ever. He's the most popular president and that we love you and that he's the best commander in chief. And that if Hunter Biden's art is available, I'd like to purchase as much as possible and I'll purchase it anonymously. Anonymously. Uh, So guys, I can't even say anonymously. If you guys want to see the rest of the interview and the link is uh, in the description, because like I said, we can only talk about so much stuff. So I know I hate to see all 140 of y'all go, but we love y'all. We just, YouTube is too crazy. Okay. Bye guys. Link is in the description. It's not behind a paywall. You can't complain. I'm not charging you for it. Oh, and we'll stay live on D live. So go to D live. If you don't want to watch it on Rockfin. Um, So there are, or Twitter, you can go to my Twitter and you guys can watch this without uh, watching on Rockfin. but we have to say goodbye to YouTube. See you YouTube. I hate to do that. That's where our biggest audience is, but we still have other people watching us, um, uh, James. But it's such it's such a bummer not being able to uh, speak about this stuff on YouTube because I've gotten I've gotten two strikes. Like it's been ninety days since I've got my last strikes, but I just don't want to. I want to just kiss YouTube's butt because they don't want me to be on there, right? So I I think it's important that I stay on there, like a like a mold or like a virus so that's why i'm just placating to their rules because they don't want me to be on there does that make sense that motivates me to stay on there
1: yeah well you know i i just got over a one week suspension on twitter and uh you know that's two strikes on me on twitter so i made a meme of myself saying uh well my my suspension's over the bad boy is back look out twitter um i've got some really badass tweets here and then my tweet is I, i i'm reading from a book about Woodchucks and what their habitat is.
0: <laughs> here, I have the tweet right here. I have the oh, tweet right here. Okay. It is. There you go. Right. And then make it a little smaller. <laughs> Isn't that crazy that they censure you on Twitter? Like, can you imagine this, James? I mean, it doesn't even make sense. Like, you're some sort of uh, evil person. They they literally allow pornography on Twitter. Like, literally, you can mm. see as much porn as you want. But if you talk about medical misinformation or anything. Well, my one-week Twitter suspension is finally over, so get ready, Twitter. This bad boy is back with cutting-edge, badass, kick-ass tweets. I love it. The woodchuck. The woodchuck is a rodent belonging to the group of squirrels known as marmots. Adult measures from 42 to 62 centimeters. It is found in low-elevation forests, pastures, and hedge grows. Look at you. The bad boy of Twitter is back, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So go give him a follow, James Perloff. It's at James Perloff and... Uh, it is in the description uh, below. Oh, look, you tweeted that. I got to retweet you. Um, but is the the link is in the description to your Twitter? So let me go to my profile. We'll see. We're live right here. I'm gonna tag you hmm. on it. So so we'll get going. If you guys want to follow James, okay. So James, tell me about your your, your new book, uh, uh, COVID nineteen. I know it's 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 obviously the. The biggest PSYOP, it's kind of, like you said, nobody wants to talk about 9-11. Everybody's talking about freaking uh, COVID. Why would you even waste your time talking about 9-11 when we're under the biggest false flag attack possible uh, with the coronavirus? So... What do you think? Uh, what is your book about? Give us the synopsis, James, and so the people okay, that want to purchase it. Okay, so uh,
1: we're off YouTube now, right? To yes, YouTube you can podcast. say whatever
0: you want. Yes, yes. Okay. Can, coronavirus so, um, is, is is you know a psyop. Yes, go ahead.
1: Right. Uh, sure. It is. And like I said, I was working a book on nine eleven, and then in, when uh on March thirteenth, Friday the thirteenth of last year, when Trump uh, announced the national lockdown, um, I uh, I wrote a blog post about. Uh, uh, the I, I, By the way, Marissa did nurse for forty-five years. Uh, retired in two thousand and nineteen, just before COVID hit. Um, but I was registered nurse in Massachusetts for forty-five years. I immediately knew that you don't quarantine healthy people. We've never done that before. I said, this is this is BS. This is a uh, you know, imposition on our liberties. The governor of our state is deciding who can work and who can't. All of a sudden, we can't have jury trials because it violates social distancing and freedom of speech. Uh, right to assemble. Um. All of our rights under the Constitution are suddenly being abolished, even though the Constitution is supreme law of the land. So I wrote this blog post, which kept getting longer and longer. And then I said, I got to make this into a book. So I wrote it and made it into this book, COVID-19 and the agenda to become red-pilled. And it sold uh, uh, 3,500 copies on Amazon over the course of less than two months. And it was rated uh, 92% five-star and 8% four-star. And nobody gave it less than four stars. But Amazon banned it. And I was anticipating that. So I'd already ordered a separate printing of my own, because I'm, I'm used to being a publisher. And uh, four days after they banned it, the truck rolled in with my copies. And so I just switched hats and I uh, hired a distributor. And Amazon had been distributed until a place like Barnes and Noble and Books A Million, but I hired a new distributor. When they saw the sales on Amazon, they just picked it up right away so it got right back into Barnes and Noble and also European marketplaces through places like the UK Depository. You can get it in Canada through Indigo, et cetera. And uh, so I started doing a lot of podcasts on that, but I also had to to create a new website. I, I changed jamespullup.com to jamespullup.net because my website was under attack. I found that people were contacting me on the website and the messages weren't getting through to me. And Facebook was totally blocking. You couldn't even mention my website on Facebook Messenger without the message being blocked. So I, I, uh, uh, I, I know some high-tech people um, overseas who who got me uh, new servers and a, and a new website. Um, uh, so uh, the book is now in its third printing since the Amazon ban, and it's only banned at Amazon. You get it anyplace else, any of the bookstores got it, uh, and you can order in bulk for me. And I also give people, uh, the there's an ebook version, which was about to launch on Amazon when they they, uh, they, um, they banned it, but since they couldn't put it on Amazon Kindle, I made the ebook available for free. It's too important to charge money for, so uh, it's available for free. When you subscribe, or just write me on my 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 contact form on my website, jamespillot.net, and I will send you an ebook for free, whatever version you prefer: Mobi, EPUB, uh, or PDF. And it all all uh, the book has uh, almost 300 endnotes. Everything is documented. You can click on the endnote; it'll take you right to the source. Um, that's very there's, there's,
0: magnanimous of you give you the free ebook like that wow James that's very well, awesome. I, I thought about it you know I said it's
1: gonna take me time to get it onto a platform and actually the people have thanked me for making it free because they, they've lost their jobs and they said they never couldn't even afford uh, an ebook uh, if I, I charge 10 bucks or something for but, but a lot of people have sent donations to my website anyway and it doesn't matter the important thing is to stop this horrible PSYOP you know we're all gonna what's the point of winning winning a uh, winning a pot on a uh, poker pot on the Titanic on the night that it it's I mean <laughs> that's a good of, James, yeah, yeah, that's the,
0: really that's really good okay well okay but what do you think what do you think coronavirus is so let me tell you my opinion is I believe you know they rebranded the flu and they're using these uh, PCR tests that, that can test you positive for anything if they run it for 40 cycles so that right. there, there's there's probably that you know the normal amount of people that get SARS sudden acute respiratory syndrome and emerge you know is about the same They, they would get every year and that they just mislabeled a bunch of people that died of heart disease or diabetes because of these bad tests. And so now I believe it's a Hegelian dialectic. They want to sell vaccines the whole time. So problem reaction solution, you know, they had to create a virus to create a, you know, people to get scared to scare them into getting basically a vaccine that they're eventually going to make mandatory. So that's my stance. Now I want to hear yours. What do you think a okay. uh, coronavirus is?
1: Well, uh, I have uh, five major sections in my book. The first is on, um, uh the lockdowns uh, because at least they had reticle i do have a section on various theories about 5g and it's got uh the main a chapter on the mainstream theory and a chapter on uh the bioweapon theory a chapter on the 5g theory i also include andrew kaufman's exosome theory uh dr stephanie seneff of mit dr zach bush they all have uh seneff talks about airborne glyphosate for example uh, so I wanted to include all the theories because I wasn't so sure. You know, what I tend to lean to is that uh, we may be dealing with a bioweapon, but I do have a section on fake news and how they have, uh, you know, in the ways that you've already mentioned, amplified this thing. They have taken, uh, you know, in Italy, they said that 8 to 10% of the uh, uh, people were, were dying from COVID. Well, it turns out that the, um uh, Bloomberg carried this story that actually 99% of the so-called COVID deaths were people who had comorbidities, people who were elderly, they had advanced cancer, advanced uh, pneumonia, advanced lung disease. Uh, advanced James, IVs.
0: James, the average age of a coronavirus death is 81 years old. The average age for all no. cause morbidity is 78. If people realize you live three years longer if you were to die of the coronavirus versus all the other ways to die, you live longer if you die. I mean, people are too stupid; they don't even realize how good of a stat people should be celebrating. You know, oh, I died right. of coronavirus. That means I lived to 81. You beat you beat us by three years. You beat the average, so you know you're above average. But people are too stupid. Sorry to cut you off. It just bugs me these these obvious oh, things. Yeah. That are just so people are too. Oh, we're really—it's literally idiocracy, James. People are literally almost autists, all fun, barely functioning autists at this point, James.
1: Yeah. Uh. Well. Well. Uh, the uh. The CDC itself. Uh. Last year, acknowledged that the survival rate for all ages combined was ninety-nine point seven four percent. But the, the actual survival rate is higher because the CDC was using these conflated diseases. And anybody who happened to test positive on a PCR test, if they died of cancer was counted by the CDC as a, as a COVID death. So even their 99.74% survival rate is too low. For somebody who's, who's, who's between ages of 20 to 49, between, um, uh, according to the CDC itself, is uh, has a 99 point, above a 99.95% chance of surviving. So why do you need a warp speed vaccine? Why should workers be getting vaccinated? Your survival rate is so high for COVID uh, this is, uh, no, I, I don't, uh, by the way, in the book and into this day, I don't deny that COVID exists. I have been in contact with people who had COVID. There is a distinct syndrome. It's, there are people, a lot of people with flu, who um, are labeled as, as COVID falsely. But there are distinctions with, with COVID. COVID has a dry cough, whereas the flu is a wet cough. And there is a low zinc level, I believe, associated with it. There's, there's a, I, I know a woman who had COVID. She's a red pilled registered nurse like me and uh, she's a big activist uh, down south but she said that she had with COVID she had absolutely no sense of smell and while I was on the phone with her, her she'd opened the can her husband said don't you smell that foul smell she couldn't smell it I mean there are some distinct there's a distinct syndrome that goes with actual COVID cases and I knew a red pill doctor and she totally red-pilled I mean and she's a brilliant MD was working in one of um, Massachusetts uh, she was working in one of Boston's hospitals they did have a COVID unit She said they did have COVID cases uh, for sure, um, but uh, she had no doubt that uh, that COVID was a psyop being being run on people. So I think there there are some genuine cases of COVID, but I think if anything, it's a bioweapon, But I I leave the door open to you know people like Andrew Kaufman, uh, Stephanie Seneff, Zach Bush, and others who have different theories uh, regarding uh, what it what it may be. But and, but to be sure, the number of cases has been grossly inflated. I mean, here in New England, they get they get five thousand new COVID cases. Well, what they're talking about is five thousand positive PCR tests. They're not talking about people who are dying, hospitalized, sick, or even have symptoms. In fact, at at, uh, Pine Street Inn, which is a homeless shelter in Boston, uh, which is near where I live, uh, they had 146 people reported uh, positive for COVID, but guess what? None of them had any symptoms. And these are homeless people, you'd think they'd be very vulnerable to getting sick, but not one of these 146 people who tested positive had any symptoms. So I think COVID is real, but they have really played up the numbers uh, for, of course, for the purpose of getting uh, Bill Gates uh, population control uh, vaccine program underway uh, with this this um, this mass produced, inadequately tested, uh, and now we're finding increasingly lethal blood clots. I have an associate who passed away recently. I called up his office and uh, I said, you know, can I speak to him? They said, well, he's unavailable. And I said, well, when will he be available? They said, well, who are you? And I said, I'm one of your clients. And they said, uh, well, Sorry to tell you, he passed away from a heart attack two days ago. And I said, did he get the COVID vaccine? Yeah, they, he got it about two weeks before the heart attack. And he had just 52. He had no uh, history of heart problems in his family. And I got a call from a church I used to attend. They said, please pray for two of our family members. Uh, are, are, they're from the same family. They're in critical condition after getting the COVID vaccine. And there's so many like that. I have another friend who had a cousin die in her 20s. Uh, after getting the COVID vaccine, but this is not being covered by the mainstream. Um, so uh, yeah, I think that uh, there was worse, definitely real COVID cases. I, I have uh, um, Christian friends in Uganda tell me that COVID is hitting, hitting there right now. One of their pastors died from COVID, um, you know, with, with classic COVID symptoms. So I think that it's it, it exists and they're kind of spreading the, with this bio military bioweapon or whatever it is around uh, to keep keep it going. But again, as you've said, and as I've said, it's been grossly exaggerated through through many uh, fake news and, uh, stories in the, in the media.
0: Well, I do know that there are viral respiratory uh, illnesses that go around. I had a friend in college that got SARS and almost died. I mm-hmm. mean, it was on a ventilator. This is in co- 2009. It was right. so mm-hmm. scary. I, I'm saying it, 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 this is a serious respiratory. It's out of nowhere. So people that think that respiratory illnesses are fake... I mean, I don't think people think that, but there are it's it, there is some sort of virus going around. But like I said, the numbers are greatly uh, grossly. Yeah, uh, absolutely. They're yeah. just using the numbers to lie in order to make you all take a vaccine. Um, but uh, when I look at the vaccine and I look at the kids that are taking now they got it approved for 12 years old to 15 years old. Yet one 12 year old supposedly has even died of coronavirus like in the United States. What is going on, James? How is it these parents are so brainwashed? I mean, how are people so stupid to give your kid an experimental vaccine? And they've had all these kids get hurt, and the mainstream media won't cover it. And I know it's like we're obvious as truthers, we know, but will the bubble ever burst, or will these idiots ever figure out that they're killing their kids by giving them an experimental vaccine, James?
1: Well, when it does happen to you, you know, uh, you know, uh, if you've seen the movie uh, "Vaxxed" uh, by Del Bigtree, uh, great movie, who have been had vaccine injuries are they convinced Uh, they see their their children go into autism shortly after the mmr shot for example and you know i was affected by vaccines myself in my youth i didn't even know was the vaccines causing it and i saw as a registered nurse i saw some really strange vaccine policies being implemented and i said i i gotta look at this but it wasn't until um um you know about maybe uh 15 years ago i started to really wake up to the uh to the vaccine injuries. And James, vaccine I, I got.
0: I had to say this in high school, I got a vaccine and I got mono and I made out with my girlfriend the whole time and she didn't get mono. So I didn't have mono. They just couldn't diagnose me what I had because my right. lymph nodes were all swollen. They just said I had mono, but I didn't have it. So I, the vaccine injury, I got injured by one too, sorry. It's just close my yeah. mind. Go no, no I, had,
1: I used to have a, a purple welt, uh, this bigger than a grape on, on the side of my neck. I asked my mother, mom, where did that come from? She said, oh, it's when you got your vaccine when you were a kid. Well, my my immune system, had walled it off and it was there for years. But then I went through a detox program in the 19, early 1980s and uh, that wilt just went away. Uh, but uh, yeah, these these things are very dangerous, as you know, uh, as of the 1986 Vaccine Injury Act, you cannot sue a vaccine manufacturer. They're the only people who get a free pass. You know, if you if you if your uh, car manufacturer manufactures a car with faulty brakes, and it causes death you can sue them but vaccine manufacturers can cause death and injury there is no liability whatsoever and if you can prove that a vaccine caused your injury you have to go to vaccine court and you get compensated by your fellow taxpayers not by big pharma so this is this is really a great tragedy and they're taking it to the nth degree now with what's going on with with, with covet it's, it's it's so sick to watch it and uh you know it's up to us apparently in alt media because the mainstream will never cover it as you know uh, there's just five corporations that are controlling uh, almost all of mainstream media now. You've got, uh, you know, uh, GE, which is NBC Universal, and you've got CBS Viacom. It, they were separate, but they merged about a year ago, CBS and Viacom. And you've got Disney, and you've got News Corp, and you've got Time Warner, and that's it. If you listen to the news in, here in New England, no matter what you're listening to, you go to New England Cable Network News, that's GE, NBC Universal, right? If you listen to WBZ, which is our biggest news station, that's CBS Viacom. You open up the newspaper, the Boston Herald, that's owned by News Corp. You can't get away from the big five. So you've got to, you know, people have got to turn off their televisions and, and get away from the mainstream media. It's their only chance of got. But as you know, there's a huge campaign. We were talking about it before um, during our 9-11 segment about YouTube censorship. And, uh, you know, I was on a show with Spiros Scoras uh, Spiro's no, the man. Uh, okay. Spiro's a fan yeah. of
0: the show. I love Spiro. Yeah. He's the man, uh, yeah.
1: We, we were doing a show on uh, COVID. Uh, when he posted it, in less than an hour, it was deleted by YouTube. And I was on a show just the other day uh, with a young man. Who did, we did a show. Uh, we were talking about the New Old Order. We just happened to touch on COVID. But he sent me, Jim, it's up on YouTube. By the time I, I, I checked it that morning. It was already gone from YouTube. I mean, they're striking the stuff as fast Hopefully as Hopefully we up. should
0: be okay, because I said I love CDC and I love Anthony Fauci and that he's all right. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe you might be lucky. Good. I, hey, I love
1: Joe Biden,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but here, but watch this clip. Look at this. This is what they're saying in, in uh, I believe this is either oh, New I Zealand. This, yeah. Look at this woman. This is insane. Most up-to-date inf- Basically, she, real quick, just a quick synopsis for the people that are watching. She's saying that the government is the only source of the truth.
1: we will share with you the most up-to-date information daily. You can trust us as a source of that information. Uh, You can also trust the Director General of Health and the Ministry of Health. For that information, do feel free to visit at any time to clarify any rumour you may hear. COVID19.govt.nz Otherwise, dismiss anything else. We will continue to be your single source of truth. We will provide information frequently to be your single source of truth with anything else. We will continue to be your single source of
0: truth. We- single source of truth. I mean, that is literally George Orwell's 1984. or the Brave New- of truth.
1: Yeah, the mystery of truth. Yeah.
0: We will be your only source of truth. Nobody else has the truth except for us. So we are the truth purveyors. And that's what's going on now in America. I mean, they hide it and they say, oh, they talk about it on the Today Show or they, you know, they they dumb it down to you. They give it to you on The View or The Talk or The Radio Station. But it doesn't matter because the five conglomerates control the narrative. So it doesn't matter how they, what kind of sugar they give you to give you your blue pill. But they give you your blue pill no matter what because they control the truth. So it's really sad. How do we break people away from that, James? How do we wake people up? Because you've been awake since the 80s, late 80s. And most people, I mean, I woke up in 2016 from Hillary and Trump, kind of, um, you know, it's how the hell, I mean, and I'm, I'm still late, you know, but I'm farther ahead than most of these bozos, with all mm-hmm. due respect. Uh, how do we change the landscape of uh, the mainstream media not controlling this false narrative that's ruining all of our lives and dividing us? Yeah,
1: just to amplify and trust the government, uh, which, which uh, New Zealand uh, Prime Minister was saying, um, uh, and you probably saw uh, a couple of weeks ago, Matt Hancock, who is the British Health minister, was caught uh, pawing and smooching his married aide, and Hancock himself was married. Now, this is the health minister telling everybody to lock down and wear a mask and socially distance, observing no social distancing and uh, no mask with his own aide uh, who's carrying on an affair with. And of course, the same thing happened with Neil Ferguson, Dr. Lockdown, uh, Professor Lockdown, who gave the computer models, the fake computer models for COVID deaths, which were exaggerated by a factor of 131. He was carrying on an affair with uh, a married woman uh, violating his own lockdown rules as well in Britain. So you see that these health ministers and the uh, same thing at the G7 meeting, they're all hobnobbing with no mask or social distancing. So it's rules for thee, but not for me. But as far as how we fight this, it's been the same battle for decades now that we have a controlled media Owned by the super rich, and um, this goes back for decades in America. But it's been getting more and more consolidated, and more and more hard for even the main mainstream to occasionally slip a you know a story through that goes against the the, the narrative. So it's up to us, and they centuries more than ever. So we have to keep fighting harder than ever. Uh, but I I hope that uh, one of my hopes is that logic and common sense will appeal to people. You know uh the you know like I say with the 9 11 or with COVID. The government keeps saying things that don't make sense. I mean, they say we have to vaccinate the young, but the young don't get COVID. And in fact, uh, uh, I have an article that I linked to from my updates page from my book on my website from the Daily Mail in the UK, which points out that um, based on all scientific information, there's not a single case documented, empirical case of a child passing on COVID to an adult. Since children don't pass on COVID and so they don't get COVID, why the heck are we vaccinating the young? It makes no sense. The statements made by Fauci make no sense. They're illogical. I see you've got the Matt Hancock here groping his aide.
0: <laughs> and so this is the guy that's shutting down the UK right here. We talk about these are our leaders. It says no, and this is at the height of the pandemic. There's no it's social distancing. You can't go out. And this is the and that that's that that is literally the rules. I mean they don't they don't uh they don't have to follow them, and it's really sad. Right uh that we just let these people get away with it too i mean we just we like you know uh put up joe biden and kamala harris not that anybody actually likes and i don't think anybody's stupid enough to actually like joe biden or kamala harris but i'm saying we, we put up these leaders that don't care about us whatsoever right. and it's it's sick it's disgusting it's like why do we take anthony fauci's word for anything and luckily we're smart enough not to do it but these people now that even with the lifting the mask mandates james and they're still wearing the mask what kind of sickness is that? Those people are so brainwashed. I don't think they can. Their eggs too scrambled, or when the toothpaste gets out of the toothpaste thing, you can't put it back. I think those people are too brainwashed. I don't think you can ever unbrainwash them. Sadly, uh,
1: I, I I hope that that's not the case. But you're right. Uh, when um, uh, I live in Massachusetts again, and our our, uh, our governor Charlie Baker uh, lifted the uh, all the COVID restrictions on May the 29th, so I went to a grocery store a week later. And I just did a quick survey of who was still wearing a mask, even though you didn't have to. It was 85%. I, I estimated about 85% was still wearing a mask. And then two weeks after that, I went in and it was about two-thirds were still wearing masks. Even though you didn't have to wear masks, they're still wearing them. Because I guess they've been they've been um subject to so much fear porn about uh the the virus that uh they they think that the and even though a mask does not protect you, Fauci said that in his private emails, he said it before. Early in the pandemic, said that a mask would not uh, protect you. Protect you would just give it a little uh, psychological comfort and uh i i believe
0: the mask can actually hurt you i believe that you need to breathe breathe, free. because if there is a virus going around a virologist you need 12 layers of protection with oxygen you know that's the only real way to get to protect yourself from a viral infection breathing your own oxygen in and out that is when it goes back to james the satanic ritualistic abuse we are literally in an initiation ritual into the new world order just like they Mm do in uh you know eyes wide shut parties like how they wear the mask this is the mask. So now the people, when they say, "Oh, we lift the rules," you don't have to wear the mask anymore. The people that are still wearing the mask are the ones that are still under the spell, and that are, st- are the ones that are still under the ritual initiation into the forever new world order.
1: Right. Uh, you're very right. This is this is a Luciferian um, 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 Game oligarchy plan. that is yeah. running the government, and uh, you're quite right about the mask. They uh, definitely increase your carbon dioxide levels and they reduce your oxygen levels. They're not meant to be. You know, uh, I I occasionally wore a mask as a registered nurse. We went through a room that was had somebody who was considered highly infectious, um, or did, you know taking care of uh, wounds or were vulnerable to infection. But we didn't wear them all day. But now healthcare workers have to wear them all day, and they're also mandating the jab for healthcare workers. We went. I have to wonder if there's going to be healthcare workers around to take care of anyone within a year or so. I I, I don't know. I don't know the. Uh, I think nobody really knows the full implications of these vaccines. There's so many unknown ingredients. We're starting to see more and more doctors coming out with more and more so, information But say that these...
0: again. You think a year? You think the timeline, you think it could be that fast that it's going to be affected within a year? Uh, I don't know.
1: Uh, I hope not. I, I hope not. But uh, we're we're, uh, we're seeing this, these blood clotting issues in people and the fact that these spike proteins are going past the, the blood-brain barrier. We've seen people with neurological disorders, really uh, severe reactions. And we know also that the... The VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, it's vastly unreported. The 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 events that follow uh, vaccine uh, and they say it's
0: overreported. They say VAERS, the vaccine people say VAERS is overreported. That's how big of liars they are. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, um, it's the, way the underreported. Are to be stigmatized.
1: Yeah. The doctors afraid to yeah. be stigmatized if they report anything against the vaccines. And of course, hospitals are getting rewarded with extra money for or COVID admissions. Or COVID on a death certificate. I'm sure you've seen some of the interviews with Dr. Scott Jensen, um, MD and former state legislator or maybe the current state legislator from uh, Minnesota. He's talking about how the CDC has encouraged people, doctors, to put COVID on death certificates just by, you can just assume. They said the CDC says it's okay to assume a zoom that the, the patient had uh, COVID. Uh, and Dr. Jensen was outraged. He says that Death certificates are supposed to concentrate on uh, exactness and specificity. There are legal issues involved with death certificates. You can't just assume what somebody died of. But, oh, we've seen so many rules broken. James, a guy,
0: a guy in Orlando fell off a motorcycle at the beginning of this and they put COVID as his death because they said he was sick and that's what the guy got caught. He got caught lying about it and the guy said oh well he was sick and that's why he crashed your motorcycle and that's why. I mean these people are insane if you don't think there's kickbacks it goes back to the vaccine. So this is how the right. kickback, this is how, and, and they talk about it in Vax. They even said if you don't give the MMR vaccine, the measles mumps rubella vaccine all at once the the occurrence of autism is like 0% if you do it individually But they still recommend it to do it together, and the occurrence goes way up. So what happens is, is these doctors, how these vaccine companies are, is they base it off the percentage of patients that actually get the vaccine. So that's how they get their bonus. So it's you know the more times they put COVID, it's the same thing. Percentage of people that die. That's how so that's why they want every everyone counts. Everyone puts up their percentage a little bit, and then that gives them a better trip to Cabo. It gives them a two-week vacation to Cabo. It gives them a, a free whatever. You know, these these doctors are doing this for really pennies on the dollar. The motivation's really not that big a deal from these pharmaceutical reps that are ruining our lives. And you look at our system, yeah. it costs two hundred dollars for the same amount of insulin in Chicago that it costs two dollars in Cancun, Mexico. What the fuck? It doesn't make any sense. Our <laughs> system is so screwed up it's really sad that we're all victims of it.
1: Yeah, sometimes I'd like to go back in a time machine to an earlier day. Um, well, I, I, I'd i kind of like go back to the, when I was a kid in the 1950s. When That's I, when you
0: go back, the, when would when did you go back? That last question, James, we'll wrap things up because you were almost at an hour and 10 minutes. And then, well, if you could go in a time machine, when was the last time? Because the New World Order, I was listening to an interview with Aldous Huxley. It was 1958. My dad was three years old. And Aldous Huxley, was, that, yeah. he's talking about all the stuff that's going on now. He's literally talking about how there's very few people in the media that control it. He's talking about how uh, the, all the politicians are fake. He's talking about everything that, you know, all the government control. So there's people to hip to this in 1958. So even though you weren't hip to it, is that, is that it? Is that the best time of our lives when we were blue pilled and we thought the world was still a happy place? Is that is that our last happy moment,
1: James? Well, uh, the the 90s was still blue pilled However, from 53 to 63, there were no wars. We were prospering as a nation, and um, we were uh, an ethical nation. We uh, there were common values, and uh, you know things like transgenderism and other weirdnesses that have come up in more recent years did not exist back then. A man, a, a man
0: is competing in the female side of the Olympics this year, James. Yeah, what it's, in it's, the world? So sick.
1: It's so sick and it's I'm so rooting unfair, for I'm it?
0: rooting for Laurel. I hope Laurel went. I mean I think that I think you have to root for him, right? Or do you not root for Laurel? You want Laurel to finish in last place? Then that I, makes I you to, that I makes want, you a bigot, to... James. That makes you a bigot. You have to root <laughs> for the transgender. or you're anti-trans. Uh
1: yeah. Uh well I've I've talked to a doctor who's seen uh young girls in the hospital who have had their breasts removed and their ovaries because they were told that they really wanted to be a boy. It's so sick. So James, it,
0: yeah. I, 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 the last time I'll cut you off. I just did a whole thing about puberty blockers. They actually talk about these puberty blockers that are irreversible, and they prescribe them like they are reversible. They're ruining kids' lives. So are destroying yeah. a kid's life. I've I, I read a story about a a kid got on it when he was thirteen on on puberty blockers, and at seventeen, is, or he got on it at like twelve, and he decided to stop at seventeen. Five years later, he still had a penis of a twelve year old, and his penis never grew any bigger. And he said it was it's embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, that's just disgusting to give a kid something that make his literally all it does is make your genitals not grow and give you estrogen. It's it, it, there's no physical benefit and it kills your bone density. So they're literally killing children, James, for this transgender movement.
1: Yeah, it's, it's sick. Our, our country is a, a very sick nation. Um, uncle Sam is in big trouble and, uh, all people making memes of the statue of Liberty sitting there, just kind of giving up and smoking a cigarette. <laughs> just give up America, you know, um, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we're in bad shape, but we have to keep fighting for what's right. I know that's God what, what God wants us to do, speak the truth. And I'm glad that there are red-pilled people like you out there. It's uh, You know, I have friends who are red-pilled. Without them, uh, I'd probably um, have trouble uh, maintaining uh, myself, you know, on, on a, a stable uh, level just because it, you need, you need the, the reinforcement, the comfort of, of other people who share your views and have not gone insane along with with the rest of the blue world that just is going down in, into this vortex.
0: Yeah, you can really get in a rabbit hole and get in a dark place. But hey, that brings to the last point I want to make you talk about the creator God. I think there's no doubt that when you actually look at their big plan, they're trying to hide the existence of the creator. They tell us that we evolved mm-hmm. from Pawns. They literally make you want to feel like you're just insignificant because that is the part of their management skills, James. So it's really just a sad world that they're trying to hide, Um mm-hmm. That God exists, and that's this godless world that we live in. And it's that's, I think, that's why what's causing a lot of our issues here today.
1: Yeah, I wrote a book uh, in 1999 called Tornado in a Junkyard. It's uh, a heavily documented book that debunks Darwin's theory of evolution. Because Darwin's theory was something that helped turn me into an atheist when I was in the sixth grade. And Mm -hmm. it was a, I was likely kind of. Besides other factors, that life was downhill for me for a long time until I finally found God and found that God was real and found that Darwin's theory was a house of cards. That's why I wrote a book. I I was the same way. I
0: was like, hey, we evolved from pond scum, the primordial soup. I (laughs) believed. I was like, listen, these people figured it out, dude. I was an amoeba, abiogenesis. I was all about it. And and I always kind of believed in God. But at the same time, like you, I saw these scientists that I thought were so smart saying that, you know, Mm -hmm. but then you look, there's no transitional species. The idea that, you know, that we're just a cosmic accident, James, that for me is like that, like. The, the tornado in the junkyard is a perfect thing and th- this is what the atheists will say they're say well it's not the same it's not the same but literally it is the same everything this this airplane this 737 777 it all it took was a billion years billions of years and that's how I got here it doesn't make any sense it's it's, it's an impossibility so that's a really big point that when you don't have any you know joy you don't have any uh gusto for life and you think that you're a cosmic accident that is when you're in that constant fight or flight you're so easy to be controlled and manage. Mm. And it's really sad. Mm. That's why we, we got to help people wake up. And you guys pick your own God. I'm not saying one God's better than the other. I'm just saying there is a creator. There is something to this. It's not, I, I don't want to push any sort of doctrine on anybody, but there is, there's something more to this than meets the eye. In my opinion, James, for sure. Well, it's been a pleasure. Okay. James, tell them where they can find you before you go and tell them uh, uh, where to buy the book.
1: Okay. Alex, uh, the book is available from uh, my website or Barnes & Noble or uh, Books A Million or any place except Amazon. And uh, my website is jamesperloff.net. I'm on Twitter, at least for the time being. Yeah. Is, uh, just James off a week's Perloff.
0: suspension, just out of Twitter jail. So you're on Twitter uh, parole. Twitter yeah.
1: Look uh, at you, I'm a hardened up, Twitter
0: yesterday. criminal. Look at you, James. <laughs> it's like Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> the Twitter version.
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's, that's kind of it. And I have several books out. All my other books are still on Amazon. Including um, "Truth Is a Lonely Warrior," which is a primer on the New World Order, which he wrote in 2013, and a companion book called uh, 13 Pieces of the Jigsaw," which came out in 2019 before the the COVID um, pandemic, and I. If I I'm very fortunate, I might be able to get my nine eleven book out, but that's there's still a ways to go in there.
0: Well, you're gonna get it done. Get it done. I wanna read it. I wanna buy it. I'll be the first person that buys it. Well, James, you crush it. I hopefully we'll talk again very shortly. Uh, because you know there's always new stuff. Maybe around nine eleven in uh, September I'll talk sure. to you again. Yeah.
1: Right. Okay. Thanks. Sounds Alex. good. Thanks thank you. And thank you guys. Yeah, thank you.